are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We break down even more of this tragedy involving Brandon Miller of the Alabama basketball team. His lawyers released a statement yesterday that's got me even more confused. Alabama played a basketball game last night. Brandon Miller was allowed to play and dropped 41 and hit the game-winning basket with under a second left. (laughs) So much to talk about with this story still. Um, We're going to talk a little NBA. The XFL ratings are in. Not good. And I've got a little nugget on baseball stadiums that I wasn't even aware of until I saw something on Facebook. How about that? We'll get to that momentarily. Let's just start with the Alabama basketball scandal, whatever you want to call it. Last night, Alabama played. Brandon Miller played. Dropped 41. Got the game-winning basket with under a second left as they beat... who they beat? Oh, they beat South Carolina last night, 78-76. He's going to continue to play, clearly. And the student section for South Carolina, chanting stuff like, lock him up chanting stuff like guilty. I, I I expected that. I actually expected worse. But the latest was Miller's lawyers spoke yesterday and released a statement to kind of clarify some of the things that were being put out there. And here's part of the statement. Before Brandon arrived to pick up Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles and the individual with Miss Harris, the woman who was murdered, apparently exchanged words. Without Brandon knowing any of this context, and as Brandon was already on his way to pick up Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles texted Brandon and asked him to bring him his firearm. Brandon subsequently arrived at the scene to pick up Mr. Miles. He never got out of his vehicle or interacted with anyone in Mrs. Harris's party. He was never involved in a verbal altercation with Cedric Johnson or Mr. Davis. Brandon never touched the gun, was not involved in its exchange in any way, and never knew that illegal activity involving the gun would occur. And then it talked about where his car was, and he was in the area, and his car did get hit with a bullet, and he took off right when he heard shots. All the evidence described above are clearly captured on video. There's no dispute about Brandon's activities during this evening. He's cooperated with police, all this stuff. Okay, again, that didn't really answer much for me. So basically what his defense is saying is, yes, yesterday you heard that the story was Mr. Miles, Darius Miles, texts Brandon, says, bring me my gun. Brandon goes and gets it and brings it to him. Now the defense is saying he was already on his way to pick up Darius Miles. Darius Miles had been waiting an hour for him. He was already on his way, and as he was on his way is when Darius Miles texted him that and the gun was in the back seat under a shirt. Okay. What does that have to... I I still don't get it. Darius Miles and his friend, Michael Lynn Davis, have been charged with capital murder. I don't care if Brandon Miller was on his way there or he was texted and then went and picked up a gun and brought it. He knew a gun was in the car, and he was, and they're basically saying in that statement by his lawyers, like, he didn't know anything was going on when he showed up. His boy asked for a gun late at night. What did he think it was for? 
so they could go shooting beer cans in the woods? Probably not. Look. And look, the DA for Tuscaloosa, Alabama, says there's nothing we can charge him with. So it doesn't look like he's getting charged. And like I said, I don't know much about the law. I didn't go to law school. But two guys are getting charged with capital murder, and the guy who was in a car that had a gun in it that drove up to them so they could take the gun out of that car and then end up shooting somebody and killing them, nothing happens to him at all? It's just so bizarre. And look, I know lawyers try and have to do things to make things sound not the way they are and whatnot. I just... I just don't think it's smart to play this guy. Look, we all know why he's being played by Alabama, and he's still, and he was on the court last night. If Brandon Miller was a guy who was the 12th man on the bench and never played, he would have been off the team on January 15th when they kicked Darius Miles off the team. We all know why he's still on the team and playing, because Alabama is literally one of the four best teams in the nation. They're ranked number two right now. And he's the best freshman in the nation and is going to be a top five NBA pick. Ask any NBA scout. That's why they don't want to give him up. They have a chance to win a national championship. I just don't think it's right. Am I wrong here? Am I off base? I'm I'm willing to listen. I just haven't heard a good argument as to why this guy should still be playing. If your argument is, well, he hasn't been charged with anything, why are you not letting him pursue his love of basketball? Yes, but it is in an affidavit from a police officer of what he did do. Yes, he didn't fire it, but if he doesn't drive, you can say, well, he was already driving to meet his friend. He could, Okay, but it seems like we're fighting semantics here. He has a text in his possession of his boy asking him to bring his gun to him, which was in the car. And they're like, well, he never even touched it. He never pulled any trigger. He never shot anybody. He didn't even touch the gun. I mean, I guess this is what I, this is what I hate about a legal system. It's, it's going to be like he's going to get off on some sort of technicality. And it's not like I want this guy to be in jail forever. But I feel that there's something here. I just don't know what it is. And as I said, the DA in Tuscaloosa said, we can't charge him with anything. There's nothing we can come up with. I'm like, really? Seems like there's something there. But I, like I said, I don't know the law and I don't know what charges can be brought up. You know, being charged with driving to see a friend and dropping off a gun. Is that a charge you can do? I don't, I don't know. Doesn't sound like it. The whole thing is just bizarre. And then to hit, for him to go out last night and drop 41 and hit the game winner at South Carolina on the road when the student section is all up in his ass all game long, chanting lock him up and guilty. I mean, credit to him for being able to block that out and have a great game. But is this what his coach wants? The guy is going to be bombarded when the SEC tournament starts, when the NCAA tournament starts. I'm sure Alabama head coach Nate Oates is just not going to let him speak to the press. It just It's just ugly all around, and I feel like this is something that they should take care of, and the easiest way for this not to be a distraction 
is Brandon just doesn't play anymore. It's not going to affect his draft stock. He's still going to be a top five player chosen in the NBA. But somebody's dead. If this was just turned into a fight and punches were thrown and there was a brawl, okay. But somebody's dead. And they're dead from a gun that was in Brandon Miller's car that he delivered to a friend. To say that nothing should happen to him seems to be him getting off scot-free. I don't know what the punishment should be. Two years probation, three years probation, five years probation, two weeks in jail, 30 days in jail, and then five years probation. I don't know. But nothing and he just goes back to playing basketball doesn't seem to be the answer. At least for me, it doesn't. Moving on to the NBA, the Lakers obviously got rid of Russell Westbrook in the trade that brought all those guys over, Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell. Um, forgetting the shooter's name already. Oh, Malik Beasley. They're going to be better. They probably have to go 16-9 and nine the rest of the way if they're going to make the playoffs or at least get into the play-in game, which is their goal. However, getting rid of Russell Westbrook, sending him to Utah, he was never going to play with the Utah Jazz. They bought him out, and then yesterday, what was expected is the Clippers signed Russell Westbrook. I don't know why the Clippers signed Russell Westbrook. The Clippers are already ahead of the Lakers in the standings. Clippers are making the playoffs. And, yes, I've said this, that Russell plays harder than anybody in the NBA. But there is a reason that Russell Westbrook has been on now one, two, three, four, what, four teams in the last five years? He's been on Oklahoma City. He's been on the Rockets. He's been on Washington. The Wizards. And didn't he get... Did he go to the Wizards for a year? Yeah, because he played under Scott Brooks with the Wizards and the Lakers. I don't even know if Utah counts. If you get traded and never play with a team, does that count that you were on Utah or you have to play with them? I don't think it's considered a team, but the NBA has figured out Russell Westbrook. A few years ago when he won the MVP and he averaged a triple-double, everybody in the NBA was freaking out. And he only won the strip and he only won the NBA MVP because he averaged a triple double. And we just hadn't seen anything like that before since Oscar Robertson. It just didn't happen. This guy averaged double figures in points, rebounds, and assists, which seems impressive. But now when you see how easy it is, how ball dominant he was, how free flowing offenses are in the NBA now, how the scoring is up. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's way easier now to get a triple-double and to come close to averaging one the way the NBA is played now. If he averaged a triple-double back in the early 2000s when NBA Finals games were 84-81, to 81, that would be impressive. But when teams are scoring 120 points a game, certainly not hard to score 10 points. And if you're the point guard on the team and you're handling the ball every time up the court 
and your team's averaging 120 points, 115, 120 points, it's not that hard to get 10 assists, two and a half assists a quarter. When your team is basically averaging 30 points a quarter, you can't be the assist man on an average of two and a half of those a game. Uh, average of two and a half of those a quarter. Uh, that It's not far-fetched. Yes, 30 years ago, yes, very far-fetched. Now, the way the game is played, the way defenses, and the way the game is called, it's not that impressive anymore. So many people do it. And there's a little insight to people that know things in the NBA that have said Russell during that season was pretty adamant about getting out of the way so he could get rebounds. And let's face it, he won the NBA MVP that year because he averaged a triple-double for the season. And everyone was just blown away by that stat. Like, they couldn't believe that somebody did that because it hadn't been done since Oscar Robertson, you know, years ago, 50 years ago or whatever, the, the amount of years it was. But <laughs> do you see his shooting percentages? It was just a volume thing. He had the ball all the time. He can't shoot. I don't know how he benefits the Clippers in any way. He doesn't play defense anymore, and he cannot shoot. Watch a Clipper game with Russell Westbrook in it. Hell, watch any Laker game that he was in this year. Watch any game he's played in the last three or four years when teams realized he's a horrible three-point shooter, yet he loves taking three-pointers. I think he's at 29% for his career, yet he keeps hoisting up six to eight a game. It just makes no sense. But no coach has the balls to stand up to him and say, Russell, you're done. Stop taking three-pointers. There's a reason they're backing off you five feet and letting you shoot it because they know you're going to miss most of the time. So good luck, Clippers. The name, yes, still resonates with people. Oh, my gosh, the Clippers got Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is now on his fourth team in four years. There's a reason for that, and it's not because he's an MVP. He's a ball-dominant guy that can't do anything outside of five feet. Not a good free throw shooter, plays no defense. He can push the ball. He can get to the rim, and that's it. Plenty of guys like that in the NBA. Moving on, the XFL ratings are in from this past weekend. When the XFL first launched back in the late 90s when Vince McMahon had it, do you remember what the rating was? Do you remember how many people tuned in to those first games, what it averaged, the inaugural game? It drew 15.5 million viewers for a startup league that was so hokey at the time. And (laughs) it was only around one season. Then it folded. They brought it back in 2020, restarted it, and the 2020 XFL inaugural game drew 3.5 million viewers. Not great. And then their season was cut short because of COVID. So they basically folded. Dwayne The Rock Johnson purchased it in 2021, I believe. So he had two years to build it up. It debuted this past Saturday. It averaged one and a half million viewers. I mean, this is nothing. Nobody, and and look, 
I am all for, I'm very pro Dwayne Johnson. I think the guy is incredible with his charity work. The guy is a beast, obviously physically a beast, but just it seems like the guy never sleeps. This guy's just traveling everywhere, doing movies. He's showing up for these inaugural games and all this stuff. An absolute go-getter. And I'm glad that he's giving people a chance to earn some money and possibly get picked up by an NFL team. Because before he was a major star in wrestling, he was one of these guys fighting to get on an NFL roster and never made it. So that's why he bought the league, because he's got a shit ton of money now and he wants to give these guys a chance. I'm all for that. I just think the product isn't great. Like I said, I'm watching the XFL for seeing what the NFL will steal from it. You'll hear me talk about this today in my podcast with comedian Sarah Colonna because her husband is former Seattle Seahawks punter John Ryan. So we talk about it a little bit, stuff I've pretty much been saying on this podcast about this is what I like, I think this is what they'll steal. And, yeah, there will definitely be things taken from the XFL. But the actual games themselves... You can see when you watch them, the offenses play. That's very vanilla offenses. Nobody's doing anything tricky. You know, they've only had practicing for a month. They had to draft a team, and you're, you got a bunch of guys that are fringe guys that may or may not ever touch the NFL. Most of them won't. So to watch them play, and I just didn't, I wasn't impressed with the actual gameplay. A few highlights here and there. But nobody's going to be like, man, can't wait for the NFL season to end because the XFL kicks in. Now we got some real football. I mean, it's just never going to do it. I understand this is going to be a minor league for the NFL. And then after this, the USFL starts in April. Just more games like this. They have major networks behind them, ABC, ESPN, FX, broadcasted some of the games this weekend. So they have that going for them. They actually got a good channel to get on network television. But look, Saturday afternoon game drew one and a half million people. I think after an 18-week NFL season, a playoffs, a Super Bowl, to start the very next week with players that aren't close to being as good as NFL players, I, I see why there's no real interest in this league. You know? Why would there be? We just watch the best players play. It's the same reason why minor league baseball doesn't get a lot of viewership, doesn't have a major channel that televises its games, because people want to watch the best players, the best at their sport. So I'm all for the league, and I hope guys do get picked up and get to the NFL and get a chance to make a 53-man roster and make their dreams come true. I'm just not really interested in watching it, and I don't think many people are in the ratings, and the ratings reflect that. One final thing I wanted to talk about. I didn't even realize this because, I mean, why? I don't know. Why would I ever think about this? But there was a, I don't want to say a pie chart. It's more of a circle chart of all the Major League Baseball teams. And in this chart, it shows where all the Major League Baseball teams' stadiums are in relation to that city's downtown area. 
And there is, <laughs> well, every one, two, three, four, five, six. There's only six teams in Major League Baseball whose stadium is outside of five miles from downtown area. Braves, Cubs are right on the fringe. Looks like they're about five and a half, six miles out. Yankees, Mets, Kansas City, Oakland. Outside of five, but inside of 10 miles from downtown. So (laughs) that means pretty much, I don't know, 24 of the 30 Major League Baseball teams, 23 are all in the downtown area, most within five miles. Those are between five and ten miles out. Except there's one team in Major League Baseball, that's the outlier. The Texas Rangers are 17 and a half miles from downtown. Like, I know that, living out here. They're not anywhere near downtown. And it's why I don't go to a lot of the games. But, and I think I've been to two games since I've been here in 16 years and they've had two stadiums now but it's just funny looking at this chart that every 29 of the 30 teams in major league baseball are within 10 miles of the downtown area that their city is in and here here's the texas rangers almost outside this whole circle they're between the 15 and 20 mile radius i actually thought it was more but yeah i guess from downtown to arlington i guess it would be about between 15 and 20 miles, but just funny. Thought I'd point it out. I don't know if anybody knew that. The ones that are in downtown, Pirates, Twins, Rockies, Tigers, Giants, Indians, Astros, D-backs, Padres, Reds, Cardinals, Blue Jays, Orioles. The ones within five miles of downtown, Dodgers, Marlins, Brewers, Rays, Red Sox, Phillies, Mariners, White Sox, Nationals, Angels. Okay, wait a second. Oh, they're saying, okay. uh, The Angels are within five miles of Anaheim. They're certainly not within five miles of Los Angeles. No way. So they're saying Angels. They're they're including the Angels um, five miles uh, from Anaheim. And then I said, like, the ones that are between five and ten miles from downtown: Braves, Cubs, Yankees, Mets, Royals, and A's. And then, and then here's the, here's the Rangers way on the outside of the bubble, or almost outside the bubble, almost twenty miles away from their downtown. And it's been talked about out here. You know, are you going to do that? Are, are the Rangers ever going to build a downtown baseball stadium? Shit, I don't know where it would go. I mean, I've been downtown. There's no land down there. I don't think where they could get a stadium in, and if they did, it'd be a giant clusterfuck of traffic. They don't need that downtown. Leave it out in Arlington. That's fine. And they just built it during the the pandemic was the first year, 2020. So they're certainly not building a downtown stadium anytime soon. The new stadium, Globe Life Field, has only been there since 2020. Remember, that's where the World Series was held between the Dodgers and who they play, the Rays? When they had like, that was like when they were first bringing fans back, there was like 11 or 12,000 and they had, remember people were sitting in like, you'd have two seats or four, you'd buy two or four seats and then there was spaces in between each seats. Remember that? Remember the times we were living in 
when we started going back to stadiums, but they wouldn't let them be full. They'd let them get to 25, 35% capacity, and that would be it. That was, I think that World Series in 2020 was the first time fans were ever back in a stadium for a sporting event. That was the first time we saw it, and it was that World Series, and it was, um, it's kind of bizarre to look back on now. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Much, much appreciated. We'll be back tomorrow with yet another Sports Daily. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!